0: Welcome to another episode of The Cubic Report. We're glad that you joined us. Today, we once again have leadership consultant Greg Thomas back on our podcast. We have done a series of podcasts with him that you may have followed. Greg is a business consultant, author, keynote speaker, and a personal life coach that I have known for many years. As a reminder, you can learn more about Greg's training skills on his YouTube site. Simply type in Leadership Excellence on the YouTube homepage search bar and you will find him. So today we will continue our discussion on servant leadership. Greg, welcome back. You mentioned to me earlier that you have some statistics that you would like to share about the six podcasts we have done together.
1: Hi, Hi Vic, you bet. It's great to be back and thank you once again for the invitation. Yes, I do have some statistics. I want to thank you for creating the cubic report because it's very informative. I listened to uh, this morning to the one you did yesterday with your brother Oli and it was just outstanding. And as I had mentioned to you before we began, it just kept reoccurring in my mind, The blessings that the United States has been to offer generations of refugees and immigrants great opportunities to live good, positive, productive lives like you and your brother have been able to live. So it was encouraging to me to hear that and to hear your personal stories and experiences. Uh, I just wanted to mention to you quickly that we've done six podcasts total. And uh, I take the podcast, the, the audio of the podcast, and I put them on my YouTube site because it's also a leadership site. And we happen to have been talking about various aspects of leadership. And the six podcasts total have 25,207 views wow. on YouTube. The, the last one we did, which was the most popular, you may recall it was the Foundation of servant leadership. It alone had 5,668 views as of this morning Mm -hmm. and has resulted in 54 subscribers, 54 individuals subscribing to my YouTube site after listening to that particular podcast. So I just wanted to thank you, Vic, for doing the podcast. You have such a interesting variety of topics and things that you cover and people that you know from your vast experiences of a lifetime and wanted to say thank you for putting this podcast together and for all that you do regarding it.
0: Well, I thank you very much for your kind words. When I was trying to line up a list of guests for my new podcast, The Cubic Report, I had you pretty much at the top of the list because I know that we've talked before and you have a lot of things that can affect people across a broad range of occupations and status and all kinds of other uh, criteria and so I have really appreciated you have said how much it's benefited you but it's also benefited me <laughs> to, <laughs> to, right. to to be able to have guests like you so last time we talked about the definition of servant leadership and I'm so glad that we're delving into this topic the first ones were going over a number of issues regarding personal sh- uh, mm-hmm. personal le- leadership the criteria or the Uh, main points of that. But then we wanted to get into something very specific, and this is one area that uh, I kind of said, well, maybe we can talk about servant leadership. We talked about the definition of servant leadership and how it is different from traditional autocratic styles of Uh leading. Then we discussed how it relates to personal leadership development, and we briefly covered the history of servant leadership. So, Greg... A servant leadership culture seems to be a great place to work, yet many people seem to oppose it. Uh, Why is it?
1: That's really a great question, and there are a number of reasons that people oppose the whole concept of uh, servant leadership. As a matter of fact, I might be bold enough to say that some people actually hate the idea of uh, servant leadership. First of all, it's contrary to human nature. Uh, Instinctively, most people think that they're superior to everyone else and that they should be in charge. Uh, Many people love to engage in politics and gossiping about other people, and they look at intrigue as some kind of sport or a game. They enjoy climbing the ladder, putting other people down to look better than the people that are their perceived competitors. So this is one of the reasons, just raw, basic human nature and instinctively the thought that people have that they're better or superior to everyone else or a, a true servant leader culture rejects all of these kinds of qualities because they're toxic Uh, they all create a toxic uh, work environment another reason Vic is that some people have built their entire life identity on a sense of how important they think they are Mm -hmm. or a particular title that they might have and they feel threatened by servant leadership because they fear that they won't be placed on a pedestal any longer they won't have some silly title some man-made title that's given to them they won't have some artificial pedestal to stand on again to make themselves feel like they're smarter wiser superior to everyone else because servant leadership is about sharing credit sharing ideas uh, sharing opportunities sharing in communication and people who have built an entire life identity on their self-importance, don't want to share any of those things. They want to be above everyone else. Another reason is uh, narcissism. Uh, Narcissism seeks to draw attention to itself. It's all about me. And a narcissist resents a philosophy that says, we're going to share authority. We're going to share decision-making. We're going to share who receives the credit. We really don't care. And we're going to Share our rewards, uh, the bounties for all the hard work that we do in this organization. And a narcissist doesn't want anything to do with that since the world has to evolve around them and what they want and to placate their distorted sense of Um, self-importance. And a servant leadership culture, another reason many people don't like servant leadership is as a culture, no one is above being accountable. Most people with power, and I found this out in my life in the corporate world, most people who have power believe that they are above being accountable for their conduct Mm -hmm. or their decisions because of their importance or their title or the power they have. They think there's one set of rules for them and then there's another set of rules for all the peons below them. They have this feeling of superiority. Uh, They resent it when someone points out a mistake They're usually the first ones to blame everyone else when something goes wrong rather than accepting their own problem or the decision that they made. And again, in a servant leader culture, everyone from top to bottom is accountable for their actions. Mm -hmm. And uh, these are the basic reasons why uh, some people oppose servant leadership.
0: Well, there's probably two, you know, in my observation of, Mm -hmm. of leadership, of two things that make people feel like they're above the law, so to speak. One Mm -hmm. is is if they have a lot of money, all of a sudden they become very rich and they they feel like they can use that money as leverage or as a substitute for other things because they can get by, they can buy their way through things or they can manipulate the use of their resources Mm -hmm. in in a way that uh, ends up being unhealthy. And secondly, is to have a position like you had mentioned. I've observed that I'm trying to, uh, record some of my memoirs, so to speak, maybe that's too mm-hmm. big a word, about what I've seen in my 50 years in working for the organization that I have, about yeah. about the kind of leadership that I have seen, and the kind of leadership that, that has had good fruits in the end, and uh, some of the disasters that have taken place, you know, in a very general way. But I do feel like in observing this, you are so right about a person who wants to be important, and also I feel like a person who has wealth that you know will diminish as someday you can't take it with you uh, that they feel gives mm-hmm. them the right and sometimes to go above even obeying certain moral principles or mm-hmm. morality look at people who have been presidents of big ceos of big companies and all of a sudden you find that their personal life is is in shambles because they thought that now sure. they're above the law
1: That that's a real problem and again servant leadership is isn't easy you have to constantly be on guard and perhaps next time we get together we'll be able to talk some about some organizations and servant leadership and when we talk about uh, the rise and fall of southwest airlines we'll see you have to be very vigilant with servant leadership sometimes you can have servant leadership in deeply embedded in your organization but with a change of leadership it can slip it can slide you can lose those traits and those uh, abilities so We'll talk about that maybe a little bit more next time. No. You have to be vigilant with servant leadership. It is that important in order to can maintain a healthy culture in which people can thrive and grow and the organization
0: can meet its needs. It's something which has to be refreshed <laughs> before it slips back because it's <laughs> one of those things that's contrary to human nature. So if it's something that flows with human nature, it'll mm-hmm. it'll, it'll sustain itself. But this is something which is contrary to the giving nature to the uh, thoughtful nature of human beings and a person needs to be aware of it at all times. Greg, so what does uh, servant leadership actually look like in an organization?
1: Good question and that's one that I'm asked about a lot in some of the seminars and presentations I give. So let's talk about that a little bit. We'll talk about uh, some key qualities that you'll find in a servant leadership organization. First of all, servant leaders have a long-term vision. They recognize that the success of a person or an organization doesn't happen overnight. If you plant a seed, You're not going to eat the fruit of that seed the very same day. It's going to take time for that seed to come out of the ground, for it to grow and mature and be able to bear fruit. And the same thing is true with a human being or an organization. So servant leaders are willing to make short-term sacrifices for long-term development. When they look in their organization, they look at everyone who's involved in their organization, they have a stakeholder frame of mind. What do I mean when I say stakeholder? Well, when you look at your organization and the people in it as stakeholders, they all have a stake in the success of your organization. It's not just the employees, by the way. It's the people who sell products to you. It's your customers. It's everyone who has any amount of contact with your organization. You consider them to be a stakeholder, again, meaning that they have a stake In some way, they can influence the success of your organization. Now, this is in contrast to most organizations. They have and what they focus on are not stakeholders. It's shareholders, usually monetary shareholders, people who own stock in the company. And the problem with trying to please the shareholders and having a shareholder mindset is that you have to continually have impressive quarterly results in order to meet expectations, in order to make your few shareholders feel like you're a profitable investment, And when you have to do that, you are forced to think short term when your existence is basically relying on your quarterly results and what you report, then you are going to be making all decisions in the short term. You're going to be looking at people as if they're disposable, because if the numbers aren't there, then you're just going to arbitrarily let people go to make your financials look better and this is a a big problem with the businesses that we have today servant leaders they look at everyone as stakeholders uh, whereas most people particularly autocratic minded leaders are just trying to please the few shareholders every quarter and that's a whole different philosophy and mindset and when you look at everything from the long term then you're willing to invest in mentoring and ongoing professional development, even personal development opportunities like health programs that your organization sponsors or financial planning seminars that your organization sponsors. Servant leaders support the whole person, not only someone's work skills, but they're interested in supporting them in their life skills. They're interested in their employees having a happier and more productive life not just a happier and more productive work environment. So again, it's because of that mindset, that long-term vision that a servant leader has that drives them to look at everyone as a stakeholder, as someone from the customer to on the other end, someone you're buying products from yourself. They're all valuable. They're all important. They all have a part to play in the operation and in the success of your business and that in turn leads the servant leader to look at people as a whole person. Again to support not only their work skills but also their life skills.
0: Well Greg I'd like to bring up just a little bit of a point here. We came across a very interesting situation. Uh, We had our strategic plan redone about 13 years ago or so and Mm -hmm. we had a company that we hired, conducted a special seminar because we were going through a very difficult time in our organization. And, and we were just very open with him as we were discussing a mm-hmm. strategic plan. He said, we've got to talk about where we're going. Mm-hmm. And so we had a full day session that we asked him to stay over for to really discuss our situation. And the one thing that he said that, we're, that would take us to where we needed to go is that the soft stuff is the hard stuff. He said, it's very important that the soft ways in which you deal with people, and soft meaning kindness, mercy, uh, understanding, and having the skill to bring people together. He said, the soft stuff is the hard stuff. And uh, perhaps that's one of the mantras of servant leadership.
1: I like that saying because it's absolutely correct, Vic. Uh, Something else I'll I'll bring up while we're talking about what it looks like in a, in a servant leadership organization. It's a, it's a culture of mutual trust, and this ties in with your statement about kindness and the soft skills. Everyone trusts each other. At every level and every department, members of the organization feel free and are open and honest and direct with their communication. Now, of course, uh, that means to be respectful as you communicate openly and honestly and directly, it means doing so with respect, but gossiping, playing politics is frowned upon, not rewarded, Uh, employees have the freedom to respectfully express themselves to their leaders and even respectfully one-on-one privately to tell their leader that they don't agree with them or they think that they're wrong. And in response to that, the leaders in a servant leader culture are humble And they're open-minded enough to listen and even to listen to criticism towards them rather than, again, feeling like they're superior, feeling like they're above uh, anyone pointing something out to them. These kinds of leaders apologize when they make a mistake. They're not too proud to change their minds when someone has proven to them to be wrong. I've worked for organizations where the the leader would say, "Well, I, I you know, I, I knew I was wrong, but I didn't like this person's attitude, so I didn't change it." <laughs> so everyone suffers because of your pride, uh, because someone didn't say, "Pretty please with sugar on top." Here, all of this damage is being done because you're too proud to admit that you were wrong and to change your mind. And obviously, if you've made a bad decision, the earlier you change your mind, the less damage you ultimately will do rather than trying to force a bad decision down everyone's throat. The repercussions will be very destructive. So there is this culture of mutual trust. that's so important within a servant leadership organization. People are open and honest and direct with one another in a respectful uh, way.
0: And if you show yourself as uh, really saying that I want to have input and uh, come and talk to me and ask me any question you want, but people will figure out that, hey, wait a minute, he's not really responding. They'll just Mm -hmm. shut down. And a, a, a culture of fear will take over, and that will cost a lot in the end.
1: So, so And that ties in with the fact that in a servant leadership organization, what it's like is that all input is welcome. Servant leaders ask lots of questions. They're almost like a five-year-old. They ask lots and lots of questions. How are things going on? How can we make you more comfortable? How could we help you to be more productive? How can we help to eliminate any roadblocks that you're facing from uh, doing your job? They're constantly mm-hmm. asking questions like a, almost childlike because they just want to know. They want to know about the person. They want to know about how to make the environment better, how to provide higher levels of customer service, how to make the organization operate more efficiently effectively. So from the receptionist lobby all the way to the boardroom, all input on how to better the organization is welcomed. And there's a a constant free-flowing discussion on continuous learning within the organization. There was a book out in 1981. The book was called In Search of Excellence by a man named Tom Peters, who you may have heard of, and Robert Waterman. And they coined a phrase in there, Oh, that they coined um, MBWA, which meant management by wandering around. Mm -hmm. And uh, what they meant by that is, you know, get away from your desk and go out and meet people, go out and ask them how they're doing. Uh, What can we do to make your job more effective? Uh, how can we help you as an individual? What do you, what would you like to do in the organization in five or ten years, and how can we begin training you for that particular role? So you get out and you ask questions, and you press the flesh, and you meet people. Sam Walton, who most of us have heard of him as yes. the founder of Walmart. He said the key to success is to get out into the store and listen to what the associates have to say. Those are the people who work the floor of a Walmart store. Because if you want to know what the real world is like, you have to get out of the corporate office, get off the desk, out of your office, and you got to get out there and press the flesh, and you have to talk with people, and you ask lots and lots of questions because you love input, you welcome input, you want to have a continuous learning organization. So with a servant leader's attitude, uh, they seek out the opinions and ideas of others on a regular basis. They know that a desk is a dangerous place from which to watch the world Mm -hmm. because our offices are artificial and we need to make sure that we're getting out there and seeing real people who are facing the real problems and the real challenges so that we can empathize with them that we can understand where they're coming from and none of that happens if we're not open and constantly seeking good input to help the organization and help the employees get better and better and better so that input is a is a key point and a very important quality
0: i believe that last time you mentioned that if you don't have that and employees start tensing up Mm-hmm. What the next step is, is that employees will get to conducting themselves worse by sabotaging the company. Oh, yeah. You know, they just won't work hard. Or he wants this done this way. this the only way. So, oh, yeah, they'll do it. They'll make sure it fails. You know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and so yeah. by having goodwill and those soft skills where you like your boss and he likes you and you know that and you still understand the rules by which you go, you're not using it to uh, manipulate one another. That's where the strength of of an organization is in achieving their mission.
1: And that also ties in with the fact that servant leaders look at one of the key features of what they do is mentors. They're constantly developing new servant leaders. That's what excites them. It isn't so much the paycheck that excites them. It isn't buying more property, putting up more buildings, buying more mahogany desks for the uh, boardroom. What really excites a servant leader is seeing people grow from point A to point B and then from point B and all the way through the alphabet. That's really what excites them. So there's no dog-eat-dog mentality allowed in a servant leader culture. Leaders within the organization are constantly teaching, mm-hmm. constantly developing the leadership skills of others. That They look at that as an absolute responsibility on our, their part. They have failed if they have not left the next generation totally prepared to manage the organization in their absence and encourage them and taught them how to be servant leaders themselves. So they follow approach that it's not about me, it's about you. So how can I help you to grow Mm -hmm. as an individual? How can I help to have a positive influence on your career? And this includes providing support sometimes when you see someone's having a bad day or maybe they've had a poor decision in their heart and themselves setting them aside and, and encouraging them giving them some moral support telling them some examples of how things went wrong in your life but you overcame it you overcame the poor decision making and you you know went on to do bigger and better things delegation learning and teaching them delegation skills and preparing the next gen of leaders next generation so they too can thrive and grow. So that's one thing that you see within a servant leadership organization is that continuous learning, a training that goes on that is part of the culture that is paid for by the company because you want everyone to constantly be reaching greater levels of growth and achievement in their careers and then also again in their life skills, in their personal lives.
0: And also you want to, to be aware of what people might be going through. They may be going through a lot Mm -hmm. of sadness, and and you kind of know that. But not to just ignore that, but to somehow Mm -hmm. acknowledge that they're going through difficulty and not just let people out there dangling. I have heard that as a complaint from people. They just wouldn't Mm -hmm. talk to me or they didn't do, do this. And I believe that a true leader would be aware of what people may be going through in their company. I mean, there is something always happening, like death in the family or sure. some, some reversal financially, whatever. You, you just go up to them and say, I, I really feel for what you're going through.
1: Yeah, that, that is very true, Vic. And it's just a matter of having that sensitivity as a servant leader and then also having the mindset that humility reigns supreme, not superiority. Mm-hmm. Uh, servant leaders... Don't emphasize their titles over others. They don't insist that they be called by a particular title. They don't act like they're superior. First and foremost, they show that genuine care and concern for others that you just mentioned that's very important to them. Uh, they're willing to roll up their sleeves and do even the smallest tasks. If the floors need to be wiped down and no one else is available to do it, the servant leader doesn't think they're superior or above rolling up their sleeves and setting up chairs or taking down chairs, or wiping table tops or whatever it is. As a matter of fact, they're happy to do that because they want to lead by example. Mm-hmm. So uh, because of that humility, no task is too menial. If it helps to get the job done, and and if, if something's got to be done to get the job done, they're willing to pitch in. And this is an example of, again, outgoing service, and it's contagious to others. Others see it in the organization, and they say, hey, this is how I should be. If the, the president of the company, the CEO of the company can roll up his sleeves and wipe down a table simply because it needed to so that others could sit at it, they were maybe standing around holding their food up, uh, that's how I should be as well. So it's contagious. It motivates everyone to say, oh, these are the values that we live by in this company. These are our standards. This is how we treat each other. No job, no task is too menial. So let's follow that example and all support it every way that we can.
0: Okay, Greg, uh, please uh, compare and contrast some of the differences in a servant leadership culture and in an autocratic culture.
1: Oh, sure. I'd be, be happy to. They're stark. There's such a contrast between a typical traditional company that's run with an authoritarian mindset and one that's run by a servant leader culture. Begin with assets. In uh, the authoritarian leader, the most important assets are considered the buildings, the software. Uh, the wealth that's generated, the last quarterly profit report, those are considered the most important assets. Within a servant leader culture, they look at their people, they look at their stakeholders as their most important assets. That's why they spend so much money, investment, into developing their people, because it's the greatest asset that they have. It's what's going to set them apart from their competitors. It's what sets them apart from everyone else and moves them from good to great is having really excellent people working for them and being part of the team. So again, the servant leader, the most important asset are the people that are part of the organization. Um, and then there's the leader's main purpose. If you've ever looked at an authoritarian leader, and it doesn't matter whether we're talking about politics or a business organization, they're always promoting themselves. They spend excess energy in self-promotion. To them, what's important is material acquisition Mm -hmm. and gaining prestige, and particularly, this is really a problem we have in politics today because of the high level of narcissism. It's people who want to draw attention to themselves. I did this, Um, you know, I'm making this promise to you, all of these kind of accolades that people come up with but in in a servant leader culture the leader's main purpose is growing others and promoting others promoting others to help them to see where they want to be five years from now ten years from now if they're young enough what career choices they want to make so it's that growth and promotion of people that is the leader's main purpose, not to you know, get in front of a camera every chance that they get or not to write something about uh, how important they are or all the great things that they've done. So again, that's a pretty stark contrast between the two different types of leadership. The use of power, you know, obviously both have power. Power is part of uh, authoritarian leadership and servant leaders also have power. But how that power is exercised is dramatically different in a hierarchical uh, authoritarian concept. And you've seen a pyramid and, you know, the top of the pyramid or supposedly the executive team kind of the the capstone that's limited to a select few. And leadership in those organizations is limited to the very top. Those are the only people who are allowed to make all the important decisions. And everything else just filters down the rest of the pyramid to everyone else and then when something is wrong so when something's done that is unintentional in an authoritarian environment you must make an example out of this person so it's punitive to humiliate and control others if someone makes an innocent mistake meaning they didn't do it on purpose but they maybe it costs some money or maybe it causes a little bit of ill will but it wasn't intentional in an authoritarian environment, they have to be punished. That's the mindset. We have to set an example and engender fear in everyone else so they don't do something like this, where in a certain leader organization, the idea is you're using your power as, as, as someone is not doing something um, out of meanness or doing something on purpose, you are, your goal is to be corrective and to restore and build that person, not to humiliate them, not to make an example out of them, but to restore them and to be able to build them and help them to learn from that experience. In a servant leader culture, leadership exists everywhere. It's not just limited at the top of a pyramid. Everyone can demonstrate leadership from the, person who picks up the phone in the receptionist area to the CEO upstairs and everyone in between can be leaders can demonstrate leadership abilities and qualities in their corner of the world and that you look at leadership as something that is shared and that everyone can participate in and the same comes with uh, sharing power again to the servant leader culture power is something that is shared throughout the organization not just a handful of people uh, the so-called executive team or whatever the term may be uh, not just to those people that select few but power is shared uh, realizing that the people whom you may not think are at the top of the pyramid usually are the ones who are closest to the customer they're usually the ones who are in the real world compared to those who are in offices and at the so-called executive level so the more power and authority that you can push down to people who are closest to the customer, people who are closest to the end user is a good thing, is a positive thing. And servant leadership recognizes that.
0: You know, you mentioned uh, about servant leadership being contrary to a lot of human traits that that, mm-hmm. that we have spoken of here. And, and I feel, and I'd like you to, to comment on this is I feel it's important for a leader to show himself vulnerable in the proper context mm. the things that he's going through to show that he's not above everybody he still has to live through the same things that people in his organization do i know mm-hmm. one one time we had a, a change in leadership and i remember Uh, my peers, one of them commented, we need to have somebody who's bold, bold, B-O-L-D, you know, in leadership. Mm -hmm. You know, and and it just really struck me wrong because did he want somebody loud? Did he want somebody barking out orders? I said, I don't think that's where we really want to go, to have this type of boldness, that we need to have leadership that is kind. We have leadership that is empathetic to people. And Mm -hmm. the way you show that is to be one of them, of course, that could make you uh, a target of people who are power hungry. You know, to say we don't need that kind of person. <laughs> you know, we want somebody. Sure. To, we need a person who is a head taller than we are. Uh, eventually, they won't like that person. <laughs> but that—that's that, that, what they—that's what they say. And I, I have found that people who have this boldness and make these uh, narcissistic type of comments that mm-hmm. point to them uh, are people that. Oftentimes flare out. Uh, I just really feel there's a lack of genuineness uh, in them, and that you don't find yourself really, frankly, liking them. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. You, you may love them, but you may not like them. Mm-hmm. And and you All right, re- or you may fear them, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> but you don't necessarily like them. No, and, and when when I feel like if there's a sense of fear uh, in an organization, that uh, people really tighten up and are just there, wait and see, and they may wait and see. Uh, for things that may not be the things that the organization needs or wants.
1: You, you bring out a good point because the, the the leadership style of someone who's a servant leader, they are very open-minded and they're approachable. They are the kind of person that you can feel comfortable going in and giving them some bad news or going in and telling them uh, something they may not really want to hear. But they'll have uh, the uh, emotional intelligence and be mature enough not to overreact and certainly not to shoot the messenger so servant leaders are approachable they allow themselves to be vulnerable you know what in today's age particularly in the 21st century people will respect that when they have a leader who's made a mistake and says i made a mistake and i apologize to all of you for it they say to themselves wow this person is human this person is humble you know those are Those are traits that I can relate to. This person is uh, open-minded. This person is consultative. You can go in and talk to them. It's actually possible to change their mind when you have the facts and when you point out maybe some errors in their logic, they're open-minded enough to change their mind. And this to servant leaders, again, all their followers are important. They believe in that open two-way communication they're generous and humble in contrast to the the stereotype we have of the authoritarian leader who is a quote. You probably heard the phrase the corner office. Well, that implies mm-hmm. someone is isolating themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they're, they're they're expected to have a stern and a rigid persona. They're stubborn. They're a know-it-all. You you can't tell them anything. They've got an opinion. On everything that doesn't require an opinion, and, and they're the first ones to tell you what it is. Mm-hmm. They have a, a command and control mentality. Only their closest aides and associates are important, and they get perks just like the autocratic leader. But once you get beyond that area of their closest aides, everyone else is treated differently, treated in a different way. Uh, They give directives. They give commands uh, rather than asking lots of questions. They tend to be reclusive and secretive. They believe that they should be the center of attention, that when they speak, everyone should shut up, but you should be able to hear a pin drop. Mm -hmm. Uh, When they decide they want to say something, they come across to others as selfish and arrogant. And again, with the opportunities People have in the 21st century; they just will no longer put up for a long period of time with that kind of an authoritarian leader. Uh, you know, so your only option as an authoritarian leader is to sur- surround your people yourself with people who like to be fearful, or overpay everyone in order to try to control them and make them obligated to stay with the organization. Uh, and neither of those are very healthy. Or the organizational culture when you look at the work environment servant leaders they have a team-based environment it's cooperative everyone works and encourages one another people love to work they can't wait to get to work Mm -hmm. and the help Uh, the environment is stable you don't see a lot of turnover in people in authoritarian organizations you have a constant turnover of people Because people are hired, and within a certain amount of time they learn, they hate their jobs. And surprisingly, usually some of the jobs that are closest to the autocratic leader are usually where the most turnover happens. Mm -hmm. The autocratic Mm -hmm. leader can't get along with people, and so there's a constant turnover of people. People can't wait to leave the environment instead of being team-based and cooperative. It's very competitive Everyone's trying to make someone else look bad so they look better in the eyes of the autocratic leader. There's an environment of fear, and again, everyone um, just really doesn't want to be there. I had a business owner tell me once, he said, if you don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, you should be here about 5 p.m., (laughs) So, and all, they all—all all of his employees would run out of that office at five o'clock. People who looked like zombies all day long mm-hmm. would suddenly come alive with energy and enthusiasm for life, uh, because they were getting out of there. But that's what it's like to work in that kind of a culture.
0: It was a book that was popular, probably twenty, twenty-five years ago, back when the Soviet Union was still still going, mm-hmm. and. It was a book about the culture of of the people under the communist bosses, and Mm. and the name of the book was "Hey Comrade, Look, the people are laughing." And, and, (laughs) And basically, it was you know all these pronouncements that you're making and all these big speeches that you don't realize that the people are laughing. They have their own language. They have their own way that they think about it. And actually, when you take a look at what happened in the whole Soviet structure with the big party bosses, it people barking out orders and people not being properly rewarded, mm-hmm, is that it mm-hmm. really brought down that whole system. It just fell apart and was crushed under the weight of its own mismanagement.
1: Looking at management times, another thing I wanted to contrast is servant leaders in an organization, they spend a lot of time mentoring and encouraging others and developing people. Where in an autocratic environment, because there's so much politics, because there's so much... Dog eat dog. The leader has to spend a lot of time as a referee, far too much time. I mean, I've I've had a, a business owner tell me once that he felt like he was the world's highest paid babysitter. Mm -hmm. because he spent most of his day putting out fires and uh, one person offending another on his executive team and the politics and the gossip. But see, that's the end result of a toxic culture. When you have a toxic culture, then you're going to spend a lot of time. There's a game out uh, called Whack-A-Mole. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I've heard about it. Right. So you have a hammer and then all of these little figures pop up and you you hammer the head of the figure to drive it back down, but another one pops up. You hit it, then another, then two pop up. And pretty soon, more are popping up than you can possibly hit with your hammer. Well, that's what it's like in a culture that is autocratic. You are spending a lot of time putting out fires, a lot of time, again, to use that owner's term, babysitting, rather than being able to spend your energy and resources on mentoring and encouraging and teaching so that's one big contrast between the two another one is the uh, sense of accountability to autocratic leaders uh, they expect followers to live at a higher standard than they do there's one set of rules for them and those rules can be bent and distorted however the leader wants it done and they are special and the rules that apply to everyone else never seem to apply to them. With a servant leader, they live by higher values. They believe that the same rules apply to everyone, the same level of ethics, the same level of expectations of conduct, of the way that we communicate. They are as accountable as anyone else in the organization. So they choose to live by those higher uh, values. And so Vic, when as we contrast an authoritarian leader and a servant leader, Another one is the perspective towards uh, followers. For an authoritarian leader, followers are disposable. Uh, they're not highly valued. They can be replaced easily. a servant leaders, followers, again, because they are stakeholders, are of the greatest asset to an organization. So they respect them and they don't look at their talents and contribution uh, as something that's disposable. Uh, policies. There are different uh, perspectives on policy for an authoritarian leader, there are lots and lots of policies, lots of manuals, lots of different rules, oftentimes with the intent to be punitive and to humiliate if any of those are broken. And usually there are far more than are required to have order and run an excellent organization. Where a servant leadership organization They realize they need to avoid litigation. They realize they need to comply to the most accepted rules of a good human resource department, but they don't have too many policies. They don't have an excessive number of policies, particularly regarding uh, the intent to be punitive or to humiliate or control employees. So they have what's necessary to avoid litigation. They have the most accepted a response to human resource requirements and to provide order, but they're not excessive in the number of policies that they have. And maybe Hmm. one of the things that is most startling is the termination process. Uh, People leave both organizations. People leave servant leader organizations. Sometimes they're laid off, sometimes on their own. They just decide decide to resign and go somewhere else. But there's usually a difference between the way that they're terminated and the process in which they're terminated. For an authoritarian leader, usually the termination process is abrupt and stern, uh, especially uh, in uh, uh, if if you quit, if you decide to go somewhere else. Uh, I can remember just a personal life example. This would happen in the 1980s. I was a national sales manager for a transformer company, and I decided to go to a whole new industry, totally unrelated to anything in the electrical transformer manufacturing business. So uh, being the, uh, hopefully the servant leader that I was at that time, I thought I would go in and give a two week notice. And I explained to the vice president that I was leaving the industry. I told him the company I would be working for, And he nodded his head, and I didn't think much about it. Well, the next day was a Friday, and about 4.45 p.m., 5 o'clock was the end of the workday, he calls me into his office, and he abruptly terminates me. Mm -hmm. And he makes me sit there until all the employees leave the building. Heaven forbid I should be able to say goodbye to someone. I mean, it, it's, again, it's not like I was going to a competitor. I'm even not even going to be in the same industry. So I walk out of his office. I'm given a cardboard box, and I had to put all of my personal belongings in this cardboard box, and I was escorted out of the building to my car with my cardboard box uh, as part of the termination process. Mm-hmm. They didn't want a two-week notice. They wanted the the joy of feeling like they had fired me and gotten rid of me. I can't imagine what they said about me the next day when I wasn't around, but that's an example of what uh, autocratic organizations are, are like, and it's still happening today. I was reading last week, there was one Google employee, over 20 years, he found out he was laid off on an email. Mm-hmm. Another Google employee <laughs> gets up 4 a.m. in the morning. He's been working on a project. He gets up 4 a.m. in the morning and he finds out that his credentials no longer work on uh, the Google server in order to upload his work information. And he puts two and two together and then realizes that he's been laid off by Google. So, again, this this treatment of people. They're disposable Uh, The termination process is abrupt, it's stern, and servant leaders are totally different. Whether a person resigns of their own desire or whether you're going to lay them off, it's done in a compassionate and patient way. Uh, They don't want to give you the attitude like an autocratic leader that if you don't want to work here, you should just shrivel up and die. Uh, servant leaders realize that that happens in the world. People sometimes aren't happy with their jobs. Uh, sometimes a servant leader will lay someone off because they know. They're not happy working there and they want them to be happy somewhere else. So they'll give them, um, you know, a severance pay to help them bridge that period of time from losing their job to finding another one. A lot of times it will cover their health care for a particular period of time. So that termination process is done in a patient and in a compassionate way rather than having an attitude that people are simply disposable. So those are some of the major contrasts between a servant leader and an authoritarian leader within their organizations and within their culture. So it boils down in a nutshell to the difference in mindset, in the importance of people, of the people who work for you and how you value them and how you seek to either grow them or manipulate them. So that's basically the heart and core of the differences in the contrast between a servant leader and an authoritarian leader.
0: It's interesting in cultures uh, where there's a, a big valley between those in power and the people below them. Servant leadership environment, there's more of a sense of being able to walk across that valley together back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting that um, when uh, in the Soviet Union, when some of the Western methods have been uh, introduced, this is after the collapse of the Soviet mm-hmm. Union in 1991. It was found that uh, the term "service" did not exist in business. Would you believe mm. uh, it was servitude? <laughs> it was the service to- So when when different car companies had to have. A department for maintenance or repair they had to invent a new word and guess what that word was it was service it was taking the English word <laughs> <laughs> and, and call it service because servant was a slave it was servitude yeah. not service in the way that we think of the service department because when you go to a service department you expect to have them be able to figure out what's wrong with your car and, and be able to fix it not so sure. in some of this culture so I thought that was yeah. very interesting
1: that is interesting and again politics these are similar principles whether we're talking about the way a national government is run or the way a business is run or frankly even the way a family is run if if dad is an autocratic leader within his own family you'll find some of the same problems that we have talked about today within either his spouse or his children uh, because these are universal principles Uh, if you disrespect people If you look at the people you are with as inferior or disposable you're going to open yourself up to all kinds of problems and difficulties so vic next time what i'd like to do with your permission when we get together is i'd like to talk about some organizations historically that have been led by servant leaders and again uh perhaps a a real focus since southwest airlines is on a lot of people's mind to their recent because of their recent debacle uh, 20 years ago they would have been considered the model of servant leadership Uh, they were just about every leadership book is being held up as the absolute pinnacle and model of a servant leadership organization Mm -hmm. what happened well we'll talk about that next time because as a servant leader you have to be vigilant You have to train and prepare the next generation. They have to buy into and believe in servant leadership. If they believe in profits or numbers or statistics more than they believe in their people, you're going to have problems. And we'll Well, cover that next time.
0: And that'll be wonderful. It'll bring to light uh, just what those starship companies are Mm -hmm. and, and what made them that way. Greg, it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you again uh, about leadership and in particular servant leadership, and I'm looking forward to part three.
1: Great, Vic. Well, again, thank you for the invitation. Keep up the good work with the Cubic Report, and I'll look forward to talking with you
0: next time. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Greg. We'll talk to you later. We thank you, our listeners, for joining us here today for the Cubic Report. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please share it and tell your friends about it. We can be found on a variety of platforms, including Podbean, which includes information about this podcast, Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible, Pocketcaster, and other podcasting platforms. You can easily find us on any browser address bar by simply typing in the words, The Cubic Report, and there we are. We'd love to hear from you, we'd love to hear your impressions and suggestions. So write to us at vcubic at gmail.com, v-k-u-b-i-k at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. Come back soon for more.